Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory, founder of TeamsRock.com. Join us as Greg interviews thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from professional sports to manufacturing to business and industry. Now, let's join Greg for another powerful episode of the Teamwork Advantage. Welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage. My name is Greg Gregory, founder of the Teamwork Advantage podcast, downloaded now in over 80 countries around the world. And we're excited to have you joining us here today. Our goal is to work with you to help you find ideas that you can use today, tomorrow, and into the future with your work environments, your home environments, to build a collaborative, on-purpose team that is increasing your morale, it is increasing your productivity, and decreases your employee turnover rate. All those things kind of thrown into one really do make an organization thrive. So joining us today from across the pond over in Portugal, I believe that's where you are today, Brett, Portugal. Greg, that's and, right. It's, it's a great, great, great to join you. Okay. And uh, Brett's no stranger to the Teamwork Advantage. He was with us several months back, a year or so, and uh, he spent a lot of his time really focusing in and researching organizational culture. And if you've been a listener and a fan of the Teamwork Advantage, you know we focus in three areas, teamwork, leadership, and culture. So Brett really focuses in on the culture and the commonalities that are among the top organizations, which really hits dear to my heart. He talks about nine practices of working remotely, and today we're going to really dive into something a little bit different. So I'm excited to talk about when we hear about working remote, what does it mean to you? When it works about hybrid, what does it mean? So as we get into it, Brett, welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage. Great, great to be back. Really looking forward to it. So when we've had a chance to talk offline the last couple of months, we've been chatting about this idea of working remotely and working in person. And pre-pandemic, most organizations were all in person. Uh, there were some that were working more remotely. But then the pandemic hit and then we went all remote. It's kind of like a clock pendulum. And now there's some that are hybrid and there's even a fourth one that you've talked about. So let's go through these four areas of work, what they are, let's identify them. And then let's talk about how we lead and build them to build the right culture for each one. Cool, so, well, we, there's the one we know um, very well, which is in-person office-based uh, work and um, that's something that's what most of us as you said did uh, pre-pandemic then um, remote companies actually before the pandemic there were a small percentage of incredibly well-run incredibly successful remote companies companies like GitLab, Buffer, Zapier, Toptel these companies were either fully remote by design from the outset or went fully remote early on and they built remote work best practices. And then we went from remote to hybrid, where most of most companies have, have done this transition to having some people mandated in the office or people allow being allowed to be flexible in the office. Um, but typically it's a mandated scenario. And then the fourth option is remote first. Some companies call it virtual first, some companies call it digital first. But remote first is this idea that um, 
we may or may, we, we may have some offices, we may have a lot of offices, but actually as an organization, we are going to work as if we were remote. So if we're in an office in, the, in, in, in one of the offices, we will still build remote work best practices into the way we operate. So where remote first comes in, an example would be um, if you have a meeting and there are three people in the office and four people working remotely, that meeting is held with everybody on their devices rather than four people in a boardroom and three people dialing in. So they, everybody behaves and operates as if they were remote, but they, but they have the flexibility to be in an office or to be remote. So they have the flexibility. What's the difference if, say, four people are in the office and they're sitting around a boardroom watching a 65-inch monitor and conversing, and the other three are dialing in. What's, what's the challenge with that? What, what typically happens is you, you end up with a second-class citizen status because the people in the office are reading, reading body language. They are communicating beyond verbal communication often. And there is, of, there, there is often a joke that may happen in the office or there's some sort of interaction that, that the people who are dialing in who are on, their, on their, their laptops don't experience and don't get. And we've all, you've all, we've, I've experienced this, you've experienced this, where mm -hmm. there's a meeting happening and you want to say something, but the people in the office dominate the conversation. Or they don't allow you to 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 in, to join the conversation, and they don't allow you to have your say. So there's this challenge of the second class status that remote workers have when people do not operate in a remote first uh, model or remote first um, method. So when that happens, that's obviously affecting the culture, right? Yeah, it's affecting the culture, and you you you're at risk, especially in uh, today's environment where you're at risk of um, the, a remote culture forming and an office culture forming and these subcultures forming that compete with one another. So, so it's actually, it's more than one culture that starts to form where the people okay. who, who are remote are, are working differently. Okay. So talk to me a little bit now about organizations most companies they don't even have a strategy they're like uh come in when you want to come in or well no you need to be here there's what why haven't companies really adapted and gotten to a strategy like this yeah so this is a really good question um what happened what happened is we went from remote work to hybrid and that required leadership to and typically the, the HR the people team had to create policies and tactics um, but but actually tactics without a strategy is a little bit uh, pointless because there's no purpose behind your tactics there's no end goal and so a, a a hybrid work strategy would would be this plan that you develop to achieve something and have an outcome in three to five years time. So what would we, how how will hybrid work look in five years time? The reason why leaders have have uh, not developed hybrid work strategy is because they, in a way, this is a big change and they would rather keep their heads in the sand and ignore it 
But on the other hand, it's quite difficult to build a hybrid work strategy if you don't understand what hybrid what hybrid work or rather the remote element of hybrid work is. So if you think about organizations now, most leaders in organizations have never worked in a remote work organization. They've not, they don't, they don't know what the best practices are. They don't know how to deal with the remote work challenges that companies like GitLab have overcome over many years. So if you don't know how to do something. So if you don't know how to how to actually successfully deliver remote work, then how can you build a strategy to deliver hybrid work, which is, you know, some part working in an office and some part working remotely. So what types of hybrids are there? There's there's ones where they're mandated of some sorts, but what have you seen that are out there? Is it two days a weekend, three days out? Is it uh, one week in, one week out. Do they hotel the space? Do they all? What, what's some of the strategies? And no, there's not necessarily a bad one as long as they have a strategy. Is that right? Yeah, there's so, so very few companies have a strategy now. So all of them are bad ultimately because I I can count on my two hands companies that are, that have hybrid work strategies globally. They li there literally is a lack of strategy when it comes to hybrid working, and. And actually, these what you, we're talking about here is policies or tactics. So our policy is two days a week, or our, and I'm seeing I'm seeing quite you know different uh, different solutions. So some companies are trying to be three or four days in the office because they their leadership can't deal with the lack of power and the lack of effectiveness of 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 remote working and remote work leadership. Yeah. And then and then others I like are going the, lack the other of way. Power. Yeah, it's 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 funny actually. There's a there's a, a research study done by Georgia Southern University before the pandemic, and they took uh, 110 teams uh, of four people in each team, and they said go work in an office and choose your leader. They took 110 teams of four people in each team, and they said go work remotely and choose your leader. And the office the office based leaders were charismatic, hierarchical vocal and the remote leaders were coaches mentors facilitators project managers L completely different leadership wow. style and actually the charismatic leaders are the ones who are struggling to lead now because charisma isn't as effective in this digital environment and that's why a lot of leaders want to get back in because their charisma their charisma isn't as effective interesting so when you have the remote environment, the project managers, the more introverted style of leader, when they have to come in, do they struggle with the in-person side of it then as well? Not from from what I'm seeing, not particularly because their team is is used to their leadership style. So their leadership style is consistent in an office or remote. Okay. Where, where where when you're in the office my job as a remote manager is to help you succeed, is to facilitate, is to mentor, is to create the environment where you can succeed, whether that's working from home or in an office. Mm -hmm. And what that means is when, when, when effective remote team managers or leaders come into the office, they've planned better for what's going to happen in the office. They've planned not, you know, everybody just doesn't come into the office, put on their headphones and do Zoom calls all day. They come into the office and they interact with other teams. They will uh, go out for lunch. They will do things so that they actually use that time and space wisely. 
Okay. Okay. One of my clients is what they're doing is um, every other Wednesday is required everybody in the office. And it's not every Wednesday, it's every other Wednesday, but everybody has to come in, they do things, they make certain plans and events to keep the connectivity going. Where does that fall into the line? Is that a hybrid environment? Because the rest of the time they're remote first, if they want to come in, they can, but every other Wednesday, it's mandated. Yeah, I think that that for me is a remote first with a with a an intentional element to build connection and social capital um, across the organization. And many, many companies are, are concerned about social capital. Social capital is the value I get from knowing somebody. So I can reach out to Bob in sales and Bob, we have social capital because we met uh, in, 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 in the hallway or we, we got a coffee together with Lucy. And so we, we have some social capital and it's easier for me to reach out to Bob and Bob is, Bob is likely to help me. Um, but if I don't know who Bob is and I don't know what Bob is, it's much harder for me. There's a, there's a friction in the system. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think your client, um, that intentionality about building social connection, social capital and culture, I would assume, mm-hmm. is good. But actually, the important thing is not to focus on culture in the office. Because because culture happens all the time. Culture right. happens when your people are remote. So you need to build a remote first culture. You need to build a culture that works, that is consistent no matter where people are working. Okay. So then how has culture changed with this hybrid slash remote work environment? It's obviously changed because of the social component. Yeah, it's, it's changed. It's changed a lot. Um, it's changed because of the social component. It's changed because, first of all, um, culture is not happening where it used to happen. Happening, and we, we're not experiencing it in the way we used to. So we'd all we'd all come into the office, and we would interact with other people in the office, and and we would learn through osmosis. We'd learn through physical proximity about what was acceptable or unacceptable behavior, and so on. And now, when we're 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 not doing that as much we're not in the office five days a week so osmosis doesn't work so actually organizational culture is weakening and people feel disconnected from the organizational culture because where culture is now happening is at the team level so managers unbeknownst to many to them are actually now more responsible for team culture than uh, they have been in the past managers now have to be more intentional about building their team's culture and ensuring that their team's culture is in sync with the organization's culture. Because otherwise you get these subcultures forming and you could have lots of rogue teams out there and you have no idea about their culture. Is there a way that these leaders of these teams can make sure that their cultures of everybody else around them are all in sync? Yes, there is. So, so the the companies that um, are thinking about this and doing some interesting stuff are thinking about um, we have values, but what do our values mean? Our values. Uh, so the so the companies that do culture the best define the behaviors associated with their values. So they take their values and they say, what does this mean? How do we demonstrate it? And they document that. 
And the, 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 when, when we run our program, we actually have teams define what the values mean to them. And we actually compare the, the, the team's understanding of the values with the organization's understanding of the values. And so the, the, you're able to then go and say, ah, oh, okay, the team is kind of aligned, but we need to give that team manager some tools to, be, to align their team a little bit better. So what we do with, with the hybrid management training program is we give the manager the tools to understand their team culture and the tools to synchronize their team culture with the organization's culture and then to connect up with other teams. So you've got, okay. it's, it's, it's all connected up. Can you share with us, is it easy enough to share with us one of those little tools that might help a manager? Yeah, so, so what we do is, is we ask the manager and, and so the, the, the lesson is uh, what are, what's, our, what's, our, what's our vision for our team? So we, so we do, we, we define the team's vision we define the team's mission. And so we give them, you know, this, 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 so the vision is why, why are we here? And, and where, where, where might we be uh, in five years time? And the mission is what do we do on a daily basis to fulfill that vision, which hopefully is fulfilling the, the, the greater vision of the organization. And then we give, we give the, the manager a set of, just a, literally a set of 60 values to understand their personal values. Because if your personal values don't align with the organization's values, you wanna know about it. You wanna know where there is alignment and where there isn't alignment. Because if you aren't authentically living by your values and leading through your values, your team pick that up. So we, we, we teach managers how to be authentic leaders through their values and we show them where the overlap is. And I've had situations where the managers put her hand up and said, my values just don't align. And I now realize what, where the frustration has been. I now, re I now realize where the challenges have been and I now realize why I'm butting heads with so many people. And so you then the manager can sit down with that, her manager can sit down with her and say, okay, let's think about this. Either you shouldn't be in this company or we can look at is what, where the overlaps are. Mm -hmm. And it's a super powerful exercise. Because they may be in the right company, but not necessarily with the right group or right team in the right seat. Yeah, typically, typically what, what happens is they... they and it doesn't very... mean that they're a bad person at all. No, 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 it's, 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 it's not at all. They, in, in, in a lot of cases, they, they're actually, they, they put their hand up and say, you know, I, I don't think this has made a lot of sense. It's almost like you've, you've, you've opened my eyes and helped me understand why I'm struggling. And why I probably shouldn't be in this company. Mm -hmm. And 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 some some leaders come to me and say, Brett, I don't want to lose my best managers. And I and I say, your best managers are not the ones who are struggling. Your best managers are the ones who typically are somewhat or very aligned. And the ones that are struggling are the ones that you can either help become more aligned or have a conversation with. Right. It's interesting when we stop to think about that because it is boiling down to the team level now more than the organizational level when we're looking at culture. Correct. And your company, Culture Gene, has been at the forefront of culture for many years at this point. And have you seen, how rapidly, I should say, has, has this change transitioned from 
a large organizational culture to a more team uh, culture base. So it's almost it's almost happened. It's well, it's happened very quickly, almost overnight. But we but but we weren't aware of it. We didn't see it happening. So you can look back on it and go, okay, wow. We you know, so Gartner did some some research and they found that seventy eight percent of people feel disconnected from the organization's culture. They did a, a huge study of seven thousand eight hundred organizations. And and you can look back and go that's that's because of the way culture has changed and where culture is happening now, but you can't see it immediately because because managers didn't take control of the culture, they didn't wrestle it away. It's some it's it's sort of there's this gray area now of we've got a weakening organizational culture, we've got a team culture that the manager doesn't understand how to develop because they haven't been trained to develop their culture. So what do we do? Yeah. And there wasn't really that moment where we saw it flick. It just, it just, it did happen, but it was there wasn't cognizance of it happening. Right. I'll put this into a, a little language that we were talking about this past weekend with some friends. You know, a parent raising a child does not see the child change every single day, but a grandparent who comes in every six or eight months sees that drastic change. Yeah. And it's the same concept there when you're so close to something. Sometimes, you know, you've got to remove that center of familiarity. The greatest leaders sometimes are not necessarily the people that are closest to the situation. They need to bring something in and let that be observed. Am I on the right path with that thought? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a very good, it's a brilliant analogy of the, of the parent and the grandparent. You, 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 and sometimes you see it over three weeks. You see that change happen, happen yeah. quite quickly if, if it, it changes that radical. But in an organization like this, what what happens is the organizational culture started off stronger and then slowly dis, slowly mm-hmm. the strength slowly diminished right and but but at the team level managers don't really know what to do about it so it's it's almost like nobody's grabbed the ball here yeah. it goes back they don't know what they don't know mm-hmm. exactly now I, and, I read somewhere and i can't remember where i saw this but somebody said that you've been referred to as a one-eyed man in the land of the blind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was <laughs> that was um, that was uh, a while back on a podcast. Um, he the, the the podcast host said, "You seem." He said, "He said, how do you have this insight into hybrid working that that very few people have?" And I explained that in 2018, I was. Um, I was approached by Hotjar, a fully remote company based out of Europe, and I'd never worked with a remote company before, so I had very low expectations of their culture. They wanted they wanted help with culture development and strengthening their culture, and I'd typically worked worked with office based in office based cultures, and so I had low expectations, but was very interested in finding out of how these remote work companies work, and they blew my mind. It was their culture was so much stronger than my office based clients. And I, I worked with them for four months. I really enjoyed it. And then I thought, is it just Hotjar or are all these remote companies like this? So I spent 14 months studying GitLab, Zapier, TopTel, Duist, Basecamp, and many others. And I realized that remote work companies over-index because they, in, in culture, they over-index in, in collaboration because they don't have the office. They don't have the osmosis. They don't have the, the crutch that the office is. 
And so my research into remote work companies is what's given me this insight that very few people have. Because, because you have to you have to either study them or work in a remote work company to understand what remote work done well is. Okay. And you to understand where so so uh, so you can see the friction that happens in in hybrid companies now is because of the remote work challenge. So, for example, an, a good example would be I'm I I you know I'm, I'm in my office. Um, before the pandemic, I would pop across to Carol and get some information. Now Carol's at home. I'm at home. How do we? How do I get this information? I have to now book a meeting with her. Carol's busy, so she can only see me in three days' time. So I now have friction. I can't move my job forward because I can't talk to Carol. But in a remote working environment, Carol would have documented documented the information I needed, and so I would have just I would have had I would have been able to access the information because she had documented it effectively. And so documentation is one of remote work companies' best practices. They do they over-index to overcome the challenges of remote work. So that goes into one of the things I discuss in my organizations and clients is the sharing of knowledge. It's being able to put that knowledge out there, uh, which is people fail to understand it. The, the critical parts of that is if I over-document this information, well, there's a pain in my butt. But if they over-document it, then it's making it easier on somebody else, which creates the team, which creates the culture, which creates the environment of wanting to do more. So. Exactly. And, and in a hybrid work environment, if you take a decision and you don't document it, um, then another team may not know that that decision has been taken. How do they find out about it? And so you get a lot mm -hmm. of you know, reinventing the wheel or doing what somebody else has already done or taking a different route because this decision was not shared to everybody impacted by that decision. Mm -hmm. So over-documenting is crucial. It's every single remote work company I've studied is 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 a they they really work hard at documentation. So call centers typically do this very well because they've got a knowledge library. When they have a problem uh, and they, they can go right to a library, get a solution that's already been posted by other people from the over-documentation. And if they've got something that is new that they have not run across, then that person's responsibility is to document that. So in essence, what we're doing is we're taking a page from um, a call center library, the knowledge-based library systems. Am I right? Exactly. So, so if you, so GitLab are probably the poster child for this. They are, um, in 2016, they were less than 100 employees. They now, in, they would now, 1,800 employees in 65 countries, and they have a Git, the GitLab company handbook. And it is an absolute thing of joy. It is a beautiful, it's incredible. It's over 3 million words. It's over 2,000 pages uh, if you print it out. And it's all available on the internet. So if you want to go and see what the KPIs of the uh, inbound marketing team are, it's there. If you want to see how the CEO describes his weaknesses, it's on his page. If you want, it's it's a GitLab is this incredible. They 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 see documentation as a as a competitive advantage for their company, and as a result, they interview candidates' ability on their ability to document. Does that create a greater level of vulnerability? And when I say vulnerability, I'm looking at the building of trust between each other being more vulnerable, or does it create a situation where? 
the company can be vulnerable to outside piracy? So, so there is there is obviously um, there there are certain things that are not shared publicly that are mm-hmm. um, that are highly the proprietary things, super proprietary. But but the, their approach is um, very few. You know, very few companies can can execute the way we execute. So you know, to a certain degree, and literally to KPIs to object OKRs, it's all available. Because ultimately, it's more important that the internal teams can access this information and external people who may want to join the company can access the information than the competitor. But when there is very, very sensitive and proprietary information that is behind a uh, you know, secure environment. Okay. And so within the environment that they have that's open that others, employees at all can see, that if I'm on, if I'm on the right page with you here, that's building a better level of trust among everybody within the organization. Yeah, exactly. So one of the one of the modules on the in the hybrid management training program is transparency, and once again, every single remote work company I've studied defaults towards transparency. Some of them extremely so, um, and others not as extreme. So in, in the case of Buffer. Um, you know, if you want to know the CEO's salary or anybody's salary in Buffer, you can go to buffer.com and you can find everybody's salary and the exact calculation for how everybody's salary is calculated. So that's how transparent they wow. are. Okay. And their argument is, if I'm if I have nothing to hide, you can trust me. You can trust me and we can work together because it's there. It's documented. It's available yeah. for everybody to see. And that's and and this so transparency makes it easier to work because I, I can find the information I need to progress. Transparency makes it easier to trust. And transparency makes it easier to 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 build that culture. Yeah. And trust is internal as well as external trusting factors. And that goes yeah. a long way. Exactly. Exactly. What what is something that a team leader, manager of a smaller division, anywhere from say eight or ten employees to as many as maybe forty or fifty? We're not talking the C suite at this point. What is one thing, two things, that managers can do today to help build their strength in their hybrid culture and build a stronger culture moving forward? So at a, at a at a higher level i would say um would uh, go and go and just go and re- look at remote work companies go and read what buffer zapier toptel do just go and study them go and spend time and i call this becoming a remote informed manager the more you understand about remote work the more you will understand about your challenges of remote working and the friction associated with remote working in a hybrid work environment. I think I think a specific action that that you could take is um, remote work companies use find a balance between synchronous and asynchronous communication. And what I'm finding is a lot of companies that have gone to hybrid or have gone to remote first are still working as if they were in the office five days a week. They haven't changed any of their models or any of their methodologies. So so think about the more asynchronous 
communication you get right, the more time people have to work, the more time people have to find that work-life balance, the more time people have to focus and time to, to, to really do deep work. And so I would, my advice would be think about, about balancing asynchronous and synchronous work because synchronous work is, is, it doesn't, isn't effective in a remote work environment. It's the, the remote work companies, every single remote work company I've studied that is successful finds a balance. Some of them are fully asynchronous. So they, they, they don't, they, unless it's an emergency, they never are synchronous. And they've got, they've got to work that effectively. Others have their rules for when are we synchronous and when are we asynchronous so that okay. when pe people are asynchronous, they can work effectively. And so a leader can find a way that's, they've got to find that balance and that balance can be different even within the same organization that balance can be slightly different between different departments. Am I right? Yeah. You, you, unless you go and start a business from scratch, you're not going to tell the sales team that they can't do any calls on a Wednesday when a customer really, really wants to talk to them. So different teams will work in different ways, but the overriding uh, philosophy is to allow people time for deep work or allow people to work when they work best and how they work best. And that means that there's that flexibility and there's the balance. Um, okay. But different teams will, will, will find their own way. And different managers right now, you know, uh, managers who rely, who prefer being in the office, may be more micromanager, may want more synchronous communication. And managers who are more comfortable and more trusting and, 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 more, and more effective in a remote work environment will want less. Uh, synchronous communication. So yeah, it, it's it's I finding think, the I balance. Think, exactly, exactly. Yeah. There are some organizations where people are working remotely, yet they still have to have, and I'm going to use the words punch a clock hours to be there. Whether they're working on a help desk, a call center, or providing certain values to people within the organization or externally. Um, on timelines. What, how has that changed with some of what we're doing today? Because call centers, for example, people used to be in one building, everybody called in. Now people are in their homes all over the world taking phone calls. Hmm. So has that come into play here at all? The idea of, of checking in, tapping in, and there are, there are, there are some companies that even go so far as to use um, key tracking software. Yep. Um, and I think I, I I think that the this is once again a a management uh, a, a management issue. There's some there there is uh, human beings want flexibility. We've seen what it's like to have flexibility, and we've seen what it's like to have autonomy, and 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 we know we can be productive. And so if you limit my flexibility unnecessarily and you can't explain to me why you're limiting my flexibility, I may not leave you, but I may quite quit or I may have one foot out the door. Where before, if a recruiter called, I would ignore I would have ignored the call. But now, if a recruiter calls and says, I've got a similar job, but the company is more flexible, I'm out of it. Yeah, because flexibility has become one of those viable tools or viable needs that employees want. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. And, and because we've had it, when we had it for a long time, not briefly, we had it for mm -hmm. a, year, a year and a half, two years. Right. 
And what's happening is because some companies are now pressuring employees to come back to work, are we going to see another round of quiet quitting? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of research out now. Um, the uh, I can't remember who who did it, whether it's Stanford or but actually there's research that shows that this return to office drive is the result of a dominant, um, powerful male CEO. And these companies that are, they just had a bad quarter, and so there is there, there there is this mix of 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 things that you can actually see, and there is no there is no there is no proof that returning to the office means that th th there's no increased productivity, but I think that um, some organizations and the way they've hired and built their culture should be in the office. And that's fine as long as you know what the what the downsides of that is, and you know how to hire people for that culture. No problem. That's absolutely right. But if you if if there if you have thirty or forty percent of people that want the flexibility and they and they are good they are good candidates for other roles, I think over the next two or three or four years we're going to see lots of companies lose good people and not be able to recruit good people back. Wow. Wow, that's that's kind of fascinating to think about what's coming down the road when we look at that. Yeah, yeah. Is there an advantage to being fully remote versus being remote first? There is. I think. I think the the advantage of having one one way of working when you when you're remote first you have an office and people can be in the office so you have an office way of working and you have a remote way of working but a remote you know fully remote organization is dealing with one way of working and i think culturally it's easy to build it's easy to manage mm -hmm. um that being said when i was working with hotjar and, and and working with some of the other remote work companies i studied before the pandemic these companies hired people very specifically that that were suitable for remote work they didn't hire people who wanted to be in remote work they didn't hire people who thought they might they they really did a lot of analysis in terms of the interview process and the interview stages okay. and 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 so it they were they were very intentional about hiring people that would work effectively in their remote work environment so i think i think it's it's definitely easier to build for remote, especially if you've been remote for a while, because there are systems in place and there, there are best practices and there are known ways of overcoming the challenges of remote work. Right. What about when it comes to collaboration? While there are all kinds of tools, whether it's working off of Zoom and projects and groups and project teams and everything else, there's all kinds of tools. There are certain things though that really do miss the connectivity with that synchronous communication. They do need to be in. What are your, what's your advice for something like that if you're a remote organization and every now and then you've just got to have this? What's, what's your advice? So all the remote companies that I've, I've worked with and studied do, do create opportunities for their people to meet in person. Um, so a company like Hotjar has 
part of the, part of their 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 your salary is a budget. Well, it's a, a benefits on top. Is a two thousand dollar or two thousand euro budget for meeting colleagues. So you can go with the, with your product management team, go to Barcelona, work, uh, rent an Airbnb, and five of you work there together. Go out and have dinner and drinks and enjoy the city, but also work together for and strategize together for a week, and then you all go back to your respective countries. Um, so, so remote work companies do, and they also have. So, Hotjar, for example, has one or two. They do biannual or annual retreats where everybody for the company gets together, okay. and they go skiing for for seven days. So, so there is there is an in person element, um, but actually. And the, into, when it comes to collaboration, remote work companies are more intentional about process definition. They 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 define more processes, and and each process has a as an owner, so that so that processes don't just drift off, and 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 they, nobody owns them, so nobody cares about the documentation. Then they're more intentional about how they document. They're more intentional about how they communicate. They're more intentional about social capital and building social connection. And they're more intentional about transparency and, and trust. So they overcome the challenges of not being in an office and not having osmosis by being deliberate about process definition, documentation, and so on. And I think if you're going to be remote, you shouldn't try and and you shouldn't have try and be like you were in the office. It's a different operating system. If it's, it's a different way of working. The difference between Mac and Windows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Accomplishing some of the same things, but just doing it in a different manner. Different way, yeah. 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 Wow. Um, what's the challenge today? If I'm coming into a new company and I want to be a good employee, I want to be a, join the culture, or if I'm bringing on starting a new team, what's the challenge that's really facing people today? Well, how long is a piece of string? Um, the challenge is leaders don't understand r- the remote element of hybrid work, so they don't understand hybrid work. So mm-hmm. they don't they don't realize that they should be building and solving for some of these challenges that are slowly but surely wearing people away it's this friction that i that i was mentioning that that is really the the big challenge okay you know hybrid work is this huge trans transformation it's this huge disruption there's why is there no as we were talking about earlier why is there no strategy for hybrid work in most companies because they don't know how to do it is there a place where people can get the ideas of a strategy i don't know that i've seen tools out there for the strategies behind building a hybrid team. There, there are we've we've built this um, in the hybrid management training program. But actually, I I can actually give your audience a starter point for a hybrid strategy right now. Okay. An effective hybrid work strategy is to build a consistent method of hybrid work delivery. So our our aim over the next three to five years is to build a consistent method of hybrid work delivery across the organization. That means every team is delivering in the same way. And once we have that, we can measure them, we can evaluate them, we can train them, we can they've 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 got systems and structures within which to work to deliver effectively. That's that's the starter point for every single company's hybrid work strategy, consistency. It should be consistent method of hybrid work delivery and 
consistent hybrid culture. No matter where anybody works, they experience the same culture. Okay. That's interesting because that goes into the McDonald's philosophy that they had employed years ago, I mean, decades ago, of each McDonald's restaurant being organized the same way for a level of consistency so that they could take people from one to another. So that's the same concept, just applied differently in this situation. Yeah. Brett, how can folks get a hold of you if they've got questions about this? Greg, um, I'm at, uh, my email is brett at culturegene.ai, brett mm -hmm. at culturegene.ai. I'm on LinkedIn at Brett and Putter, uh, Twitter as well. But, you know, I'm happy to, I, I, I love, as you can tell, this is my passion. This is, I, the, I, I love talking about this. I love exploring the challenges and I love learning. Um, it's, 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 it's my, the more I, I, the more I speak to people, the more I learn. So if people want to reach out and have a conversation, I'm, I'm at Brett at culturegene.ai. And um, yeah, if, uh, if they want to know more about, what we're doing with the hybrid management training program and remote first management training program that we've developed. They can have a look at my website, which is www.culturegene.ai. Okay. And I'll put all that information in the notes, folks. You don't need to try and write all that down real fast. Make sure we get that into your notes. Um, Brent, this is fascinating. I've enjoyed the last time we chatted this time. Again, we're really getting into it and grasping the knowledge of the different ways of working and understanding how to lead them differently because it is leading in a different manner. And now we've, as leaders, we have to learn, and the key word there is we have to learn how to do that appropriately because we're going to lead a little differently when we're leading a hybrid versus when we're leading a remote first versus leading a remote only versus leading an in-person. And grasping that and how we need to change. It's not about everybody else changing to us. If you go back and understand behavior models, it's about us adapting to the other situations. So, Absolutely. Brett, I appreciate it. Um, we're going to put some stuff in the notes for folks. Um, again, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the Teamwork Advantage. You know, folks, you've got ideas that you could use. And even today, trying to, you've got kids in college, they're remote. So they're working remotely for you. So there's things we can start to pull into play along those lines. And that's the whole thing about the teamwork advantage. You know, our philosophy is very simple. Once a week with the teamwork advantage, you get ideas that you could implement right away. And my philosophy is do not make it a good day. Go out and make every day excellent and exceptional. Brett Potter, thanks once again for joining us from Culture Gene. And we'll talk to you again real soon, folks. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, Greg. You've been listening to The Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit TeamsRock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on The Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.